Hey everybody, before we get started, a couple of quick notes. If you want to see more information on Abigail's work, please visit my website, www.andrewekhill.com, where you can find links to all of her work and anything that we mention in the podcast. Secondly, our wonderful guest this week had to join us from her cell phone, so there may be some slight interruptions in the audio. All right, enjoy! Abigail Fuller may not be a household name yet, but the project she just completed directing most certainly is. Chef's Table on Netflix has become one of the streaming giant's most highly regarded shows, mixing the tried and true food on television method with high art. However, Abigail's story is not defined by one spectacular project. It is instead the culmination of years of hard work and networking. With her feature documentary, Do You Dream in Color?, about to be released to the public, and one of her two episodes of Chef's Table being released today, Abigail is a woman on the rise. So today, on a special Friday edition of the Life of Cahill podcast, it only seems right that Abigail Fuller stops by and asks herself, how did I get here? I want to welcome Abigail Fuller to the podcast today. Abigail is... Uh, a director on the upcoming season of Chef's Table, which is premiering on May 27th on Netflix. Abigail, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Andy. Good to be here. So, you know, we we like to start out on, on this podcast really starting broad and talking about how uh, how you got into filmmaking in general. Um, you know, where, where did you come from? Uh, you know, where are you from and, and how did you get into filmmaking? Um, well, how early do you want me to start here? Um, as early as you want. Uh, okay. Well, um, now I'll, I'll just start out. I mean, at this point, there's been so many chapters in my career. Is the point of this that you're for audiences, not audience members trying to, well, I'll just, okay. <laughs> Let me try this again. Okay. Um, I went to film school at USC, and then after film school, I decided that I wanted to make movies, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which um, right out of the gate, you know, I didn't want to go into any of the more stable career paths, like becoming a development executive or doing, you know, at Fox or something or, or doing the agency path. I wanted to, I knew I wanted to just start making things and documentary was the easiest way to start making things because unlike in scripted where you need more money and you need actors and you need locations and um, with, with a documentary you can just, in this in this time it was a HVX, pick up an HVX and just start rolling. So that's basically what I did. I, we had, I had an idea with some friends of mine um, sometimes my from film, from film school and about blind teenagers and their dreams. And we, um, I won't go into the play by play of like how that whole project got started, but I ended up filming a documentary over the course of a year in 2009. And that film was finished five years later and 
just did the festival circuit and is going to be released this summer. But um, along the way, I was working, you know, in L.A. and in New York and doing a lot of documentary television, um, branded content, commercials, web, uh, but a lot of cable TV, MTV, Sundance Channel, things like that. And then my latest project has been, you know, doing Chef's Table um, with Netflix, which has been pretty much the culmination of, you know, a history of wanting to do food-related media and really character-driven storytelling. And, um, you know, this has kind of been the job that's that's been something that I've always wanted to do, mm. um, but it never existed until now. So I'm really, really feel really lucky to be a part of it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I've watched Chef's Table. If For those who haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's truly fascinating and uh, some of the best documentary filmmaking um, truly that I've ever seen. I mean, it's just the shots are beautiful and the stories are beautiful and um, I love food. And so it's like a really good mix of all of those, of those things. And uh, so, you know, I, I definitely understand that. But you talk a lot about bouncing around from um, L.A., you know, to New York. And if I am um, correct, you're actually from upstate New York like me, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. so, you know, kind of bouncing between coasts. And so what kind of inspired um, all of that movement and what, what, was, uh, what was the result of it? What inspired the movement? I mean, I moved to to LA for film school. I went to USC, so that was why I came out here in 2004. And then in 2011, I moved to New York, um, partially because I just realized that it would be very easy for me to spend the rest of my life in LA, knowing that I did want to work as a director, um, Mm -hmm. that this seemed like the obvious place to be. And the idea of living only in L.A. for, um, you know, in in my 20s was kind of a scary thought. Mm -hmm. And I've always, you know, I grew up loving New York City. So I decided to move out there more for a lifestyle change Mm -hmm. more than anything else. And that's when when I moved to New York. In L.A., you can kind of coast by. Oh, there's a lot of people who are kind of bopping around, talking about the projects that they want to do, getting coffee, um, paying low rent with roommates, and you can kind of be pursuing your dreams, and it's really accepted here, and it's kind of par for the course, whereas when I arrived in New York, just the cost of rent made me realize very quickly that, you know, I was going to really need to be working and earning a good amount of money to live in the city, so New York really kicked my butt in terms of making sure that I would have like a sustainable career in this industry where I was earning enough to live in that city. So that's when I first really started moving away from the indie doc world into making television where I was, you know, earning a good weekly rate on different projects. So that's when I started doing MTV and working on the show True Life, which was a really great docu experience because you know, you with you know basically a team of two to three people. You are casting, you're shooting, you're running sound, you're editing. You're basically mm-hmm. spending seven months making um, an hour long episode, 
I guess it's probably something like 48 minutes with the commercial breaks. But um, but that was a really great experience and, you know, helped me get my foot in the door in the world of TV. And then that turned and transitioned into doing a show for the Cooking Channel where I filmed on location in Louisiana for four months. And then I did a show, um, an investigative um, fashion crime show um, with Joe Z for Sundance Channel, which was received very well. And so I was kind of doing, and then I did a travel channel show, so I was doing a lot of cable television because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I could get paid. And I was still being, you know, had the ability to tell stories. But, you know, that world creatively felt very stifling to me because you're really creating a formula a lot of the time. Um, you're executing a formula that lacks the ability to kind of find the nuance and the um, artistry that I really enjoyed about independent filmmaking. So um, I, I knew that I didn't want to stay in that world forever. Um, and that's part of the reason I came back to L.A., when I knew I wanted to really pursue directing and do more um, commercial content and more um, kind of hybrid, like visual storytelling and, and shows like Chef's Table, that I, I just felt like there were more opportunities uh, in Los Angeles. So, so I came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I've heard that that story a lot, and just in terms of you know, um, especially from people who are from the East Coast. You know, they, they kind of radiate, they kind of go back, they kind of get pulled back to the East Coast. But, um, you know, it's it's a totally different style of business over there. Um, you know, it, there is a lot more TV, and there there is, you know, there there's a lot of opportunity in New York, no question, but, you know, there's not nearly as much as there is out here. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you do you do all these great documentaries. I mean, um, you know the the one that's going through uh, the festival circuit is going to be released. At, um, do you dream in color? And then you've done Chef's Table, and you've done all these docu series. So do you feel at at some point you want to make the transition into narrative filmmaking? I absolutely, yeah. I would love to do scripted. I'd love to direct. Uh, scripted film, independent film, because again, I'm really, you know, the, the the part of the filmmaking process where you get to create and build a world and see that come to life is the most exciting mm-hmm. thing for me. It's something that I've why I got, went to film school in the first place, and what I always enjoyed about making films when I was a, a kid. Um. So that's something that whether or not um, I am a narrative director as my, you know, main career, I don't know if I'm going to transition in a way where I would give up nonfiction because I really, I really love um, how documentary allows you to meet characters and worlds that already exist and connect with people in a really interesting way and tell their story. Um, and I, that, to me, is, like, very uh, energizing and exciting. 
and I feel like I'm pretty good at it. So that's something I don't know if I would give up completely, but I definitely have at least one or two scripture projects in me that mm-hmm. I would like to do in the next couple of years. When you uh, started out, when you started out, when you were in New York and you were getting these jobs, mm-hmm. did you ever think to yourself, like, I'm going to be making, you know, documentaries on big time um you know, network shows like this. I mean, I don't know if Netflix is considered a network, but you know, big time shows uh, like Chef's Table, and uh, you know, you know, you know, you are on you are on a panel at South by Southwest. I mean, you know, it's like you you know you you've really made this amazing career for yourself in the documentary world. Did you ever see that happening? You know, when you graduated from USC and when you arrived in New York. Well, definitely. <laughs> okay. Um, I never thought there wasn't a chance that that would happen in a way. I, you know, I was always scared, you know, failure wasn't really an option. I think that it was actually really hard for me when, um, and a reality check when my feature didn't get into Sundance or Tribeca or to Telluride or, you know, South by Southwest, you know, Mm -hmm. those, rejections came really hard because I I had, you know, I shot the film when I was in my, like, 22 years old, so, and with no money, so I, there were certain limitations in terms of what the end project was going to be, but I still was hopeful that it was going to be, you know, a leverage point for me to kind of get my work out there. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, of course, when you know when you're making something and you're investing your heart and your energy into it, you have to believe it's worth something and that it's going to be seen by people. Otherwise, why do it? Um, or if you know if you don't believe you have uh, if if you have what it takes to make it in this career, that you know there's you know you have to sacrifice a lot. I think because it is so competitive and potentially saturated industry so um yeah i think that i think that i always did believe it actually moving to new york was helpful for me because at a certain point you know after going to usc um the first couple years outside of out of film school when i was you know an aspiring director versus a working director Mm -hmm. i you know i hated when i would meet people out and they'd say oh what are you? I'm and everyone, somebody would be an actor and somebody would be a writer and, you know, you'd be an aspiring director, but nobody was actually earning their money that way. Um, mm-hmm. And everyone was talking about different projects that weren't real yet. And that kind of creative energy can be really inspiring because there's, you know, a lot of people are pursuing their dreams, but at the same time I had to check in and say, you know, am I actually going to be able to do this? And, you know, there you do have those moments of self-doubt and you also have to check in and say, do I really want to do this or is this just what everyone's doing? And I've already started down this path and so this is all I know. Um, so I think moving to New York where suddenly my friends weren't all in the industry and creatives, but working at banks or working in advertising or web design or engineering um, or politics, it was nice for me to realize, oh, yeah, I do identify as a filmmaker and as a storyteller. And no matter where I am, you know, this 
this is what I want to be doing. So I think that was, that was really helpful for me to kind of, you know, sort of be more solid in what I wanted going forward. Uh, yeah. I mean, that sounds, you know, <laughs> being out here in LA and being, you know, 24, knowing all these people who are at that point where everyone is doing a million projects, um, you know, it can get, it can put the pressure on to say, you know, you really gotta, you gotta push and you gotta, you gotta make it happen for yourself and, and, and all of those things. And, and sometimes, you know, there, there have been times, even since I moved out here uh, a couple of years ago where I've said to myself, like, is this really what I want to do? And then, you know, I'll, uh, I'll do something else and be like, yeah, this really is. So I definitely understand yeah. that. Um, I, I wanted to just go back to uh, something you said about, um, you know, you said when you were out here, you knew you were talking to all these people. You had to you, you you described yourself as an aspiring director. So, how did you know? In terms of like the nitty gritty details that you can uh, that you can share with us, how did you make that leap from aspiring director? Which I think there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast who would describe themselves as an aspiring fill in the blank uh, to a working one. Well, it's a lot. It's it's a collection of um, events that led up to that. You know, I'm still, you know, hustling. I'm not, you know, I, I, there's a project, there's a few projects that I'm up for now and some of them are to direct and others are to story produce and work in post-production on a, on a really cool show. So um, not, not, I'm not at the point where I'm only I'm getting tons of directing offers and I can kind of pick and choose. I'm still kind of growing my directing portfolio. But basically the the story of getting onto, well, I started doing commercial work and to go back even further, the, in, in doing TV, so for example, they call it a field producer, but when I was, working on the show and the cooking channel show in Louisiana or the the Sundance channel show, I was directing, but in the way that I see directing, how I did on my film and how I direct on chef's table. But the, the term is called a field producer. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, that's mostly because the style of the show is not decided by the director, but it's decided by the executives at the network. Mm-hmm. Um, what the format is and what the tone is and kind of what the music is going to be like versus um, when you're actually directing something, you kind of have way more creative autonomy. But the, act, but the actual play-by-play of what it's like to be in the field and kind of calling shots and working with talent and doing interviews and directing camera and getting coverage and all of those kind of more technical skills, I was getting a ton of experience doing um, with nonfiction television. And then um, I ended up getting through, you know, I was at a dinner party and I was seated next to a creative executive at an ad agency. And I had mentioned I did food content and he said, oh, we're doing these, you know, commercials for a client of ours um, who's the European Dairy Board. Do you want to do you want to take a stab at it? And I said, absolutely. So I ended up, you know, taking on a pretty big budget um, shoot 
where suddenly I got to shoot on the Alexa and use, you know, dollies and cast and have an art department and a wardrobe department and way more than I was used to for doing, you know, reality nonfiction television. And once I got a taste of that level of directing, I knew I was like, oh, okay, I can do this, first of all. Um, And, you know, the client was really happy and the crew was great. And I was like, I need to be, I really need to be owning the fact that I want to be directing more. So when I had had a prior relationship with Andrew Freed, who is the owner and showrunner of uh, of Boardwalk Pictures that makes Chef's Table, along with David Geld and Brian McGinn, and he, I had worked on a project with Mike Epps for AOL Originals um, Mm -hmm. the year before, and uh, for the same company, and so... I basically went to Andrew and I said, I need, I, what can I do to direct Chef's Table? This is a project, a show that I basically have wanted to make forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I have all of the experience required to make it. And, um, you know, he made an introduction with David and Brian. And then, you know, a couple months later, I got a call and they asked me to come on board on the team. So um, that was, it was really, again, when they say how luck is the right preparation, meeting the right opportunity. It was, you know, I had independently built up a great reel of directing lots of food content um, through Cooking Channel and through these European dairy spots. I did about 35 commercials for them. Mm-hmm. And then also having my feature film finally get released into the world and start winning some awards in the festival circuit and having kind of some directorial experience through my independent feature. And then also having, you know, a relationship with the production company and, um, you know, logged so many hours of, of, uh, television that I produced. So it was kind of just the right, the stars aligned, um, for me to be able to kind of join that team. Yeah, but I, I, you said it, um, you know, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. I mean, that's the saying, and that's exactly what um, what I'm hearing when, tell, when you tell these stories because, you know, I think a lot of um, a lot of people who have been out in L.A., and I'm not sure if you have experienced this, but I know that I certainly have, um, you know, people can get cynical because they think like, oh, you know, all the jobs only go to people who, you know, are like, children of other filmmakers or some ridiculous thing like that but uh, the truth is that you know if you work hard like you obviously did you get these opportunities but you have to be ready to take them when they come along and um so you know that's a that's a really great story i I really (laughs) um i you you had told me uh that story before but i i still love hearing it Mm -hmm. because it uh (laughs) reaffirms all the work that myself and my peers are doing uh these days but um so, so what does the mm-hmm. what does the future hold for for you? Um, you know, what kind of projects do you have coming up um, after Chef's Table, um, and uh, or or do you have a project that maybe you have uh, played a part in, like per, you know, kind of producing or writing or something of, of that nature? Um, well, like I said, right now I'm I'm directing some branded content spots and commercials for for BuzzFeed which has kind of been a, a fun job mm-hmm. um, to take on. 
Uh, it's also, you know, you get to direct and you get a paycheck. Not every job can be, you know, traveling the world and doing a show for Netflix, which I realize, but even though I would like that to be every job. Um, but, you know, that's been really fun doing doing some work for BuzzFeed. And then um, I have a, 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 there's a couple other projects that I am up for that I'm actually very excited about, but until there's green lights, I'd rather not talk about them. Of course, of um, course. Yep, since I have signed NDAs, <laughs> so I won't get into that. But yeah, there's a couple couple really cool projects. One I would be directing and one, I, like I said, I would be working in mm-hmm. post-production as a story producer for um, kind of overseeing the writing process of a six-part miniseries. Um, so, yeah, all sorts of, you know, exciting things all in the nonfiction world. And, you know, now that I've kind of carved out a bit of a niche both in doing food and in doing um, nonfiction, I'm getting more and more calls and, um, you know, job offers in that world but now I feel like my own kind of my heart is in trying to create my own project that is that is scripted and that's mm-hmm. something that I'm um you know is is a little bit more a little bit more of uh, facing a fear right because it's easy for me to stay in this kind of bubble that I've created and to to pursue something different um it's almost like starting from scratch but um, I see it at least as something that I want to be doing in my free time, mm-hmm. and um, we'll see where it goes. Uh, I'm obviously, I know that I'm very excited to see uh, where things go. Um, I, I do just want to ask you one more question. I know that you have to run. Sure. Um, but you know, obviously, we talked a lot about Chef's Table, kind of as this nebulous thing that you've done, but we didn't really get into any of the details of it. Um, so obviously, you uh, now. I'm not sure if you're allowed to talk about details from this upcoming season, but um, you've, as you said, you've traveled the world. Uh, so, what kind, you know, to shoot these things, uh, you know, Chef's Table episodes for those who haven't seen it, uh, take place all over the globe with these really inspiring and excellent uh, chefs. And um, so, what what kind of experiences have you had with with that? Um, what kind of freedom do you have as a director to to kind of make that your own? And, um, you know, you know, is there a single, you know, is there a single story that you, uh, you always kind of go to that, um, really kind of sums mm-hmm. up your, your time there? Um, well, uh, I, let's see. Well, the cool thing about chef's table that I've really loved about working on the show is even though it is a, a television series, I guess you would call it that um even though you know Netflix isn't a traditional network um we we treat we refer internally we refer to each episode as a film and they're treated like independent films mm-hmm. so when i go off to shoot my film um you know there's obviously certain rules and a language for the show that's been established in terms of you know we we make sure that we do interviews with the chefs and we do interviews with food writers and we film um, all of their dishes in, in this beauty um, sequence that we call the food symphony. Mm-hmm. So we have kind of certain like buckets that we have to fill 
to make a chef's table episode. But outside of those, how I decide to shoot them, um, what they're going to look like, ways that I'm going to tell the story visually, what questions I'm going to ask in the interview, um, how, you know, how I want the edit to come together. All of those, nobody's telling me what to do. Um, I'm given kind of an ability to craft my own film and they give me a lot of trust and autonomy. And that's something that's really, that I really love about working on this series. Um, is that I can create a color palette for the show and I can pick references and work with my cinematographer to decide what we want the shots to look like and how they're going to convey different emotions and what are the themes based on the story and the character. And that part to me is so fun um, that you don't get to do in a lot of running gun doc where you're just trying to capture the action. Here it's a more deliberate visual storytelling which um, I find very exhilarating and I think is one of the reasons why this show really stands out. You know, there's a lot of food content and food shows out there and Chef's Table, I think, is one of the most acclaimed ones right now and one of the first go-tos that people talk about. I think it's up there with uh, Parts Unknown, Anthony Bourdain, which is my other favorite series. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think... You know, what sets us apart is, you know, two things. One is that we we look not at food and cooking, but we look at humans and their stories and how that translates to food. So it's deeper and more poetic. Um, and then in addition to that, it's, you know, we, we tell it in a way that's filmic and cinematic. And we have a focus puller and we shoot it on the red and we use things like Steadicam and drone and we have kind of certain tools at our disposal to, um, you know, make the visuals come to life and use them to enhance the, the story and the narrative of the individuals that we're capturing. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, obviously, I haven't been on one of these amazing sets, but um, just watching it, you can absolutely feel it. And sometimes the stories feel almost too too epic to be true and the way that they're told is just so beautiful but um you know abigail i want to thank you so much for coming on board thank the, you, uh, the podcast um so she, may 27th is the premiere of chef's may table 27th. um I, I am assuming like all netflix shows all episodes will be available on the 27th so check out abigail's exactly. work uh um at chef on chef's table season two abigail thank you so much for coming on board Thanks, Andy. Okay, talk to you soon. Talk to you. You too. Bye-bye. I really want to thank Abigail for taking time out of her very busy schedule to join me today. It's always nice to hear that hard work can still pay off in this industry, and Abigail is certainly proof of that. I urge everyone to check out Season 2 of Chef's Table on Netflix, which was just released today, and make sure to comment down below whether it's on Chef's Table Netflix, the podcast, anything that you're thinking about, and let us know how you're feeling about it. If you'd like to sign up for our newsletter and get an email every time a blog or podcast goes up, or if you'd like to nominate a filmmaker to come on the show, please shoot us a line by clicking on the contact link down below. Follow Life of Cahill on Twitter and Instagram, at Life of Cahill, for a sample of my photo work, as well as my thoughts on everything from movies to sports and everything in between. 
As always, our music is provided by www.bensound.com. This is Andy Cahill signing off and reminding you to keep enjoying life.